Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod. Our decks are not optimal, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I am Andy. I am Bruce! And this is our final season of the... Nope. God, no, our final episode of the season. Uh, I'm like, what, season wait a minute, where were you cutting it? We're, we're calling <laughs> it a 10? After 10 episodes, uh, no. Uh, so the way we're going to do this is every 10 episodes, it's going to be a new season. Ten episodes, and then a couple weeks off, come back, do ten more episodes. We're we're gonna feel it out and see see what see what y'all like, see what we like doing. This episode, it's gonna be a special episode. We're gonna do a theme deck. Maybe we'll start doing that as our season finales. You know what? Uh, I guarantee mm-hmm. that out of all of the all of the Temple of the False Pod podcasts that 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 our audience has listened to so far, I guarantee this one makes the top 10 i guarantee it <laughs> i don't know i i did do that little two minute intro uh episode so that's nice and saying. all but mm. <laughs> uh, so today let's let's set the rules last week we came up with an idea for a theme of a deck since deciding that we each made a deck based on that theme uh we didn't share with each other what we were what specific cards we were putting in uh but i think we all know one card we both put in which we'll get to we'll see we'll see yeah, when yeah. we when we go over that so basically this time around we decided on germs yeah a germ tribal deck and we came up with two very different decks i got just one thing Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, I don't think this is going to be too shocking. Um, we both included all the living weapons. That was the <laughs> idea. However, uh-uh. we both included all the living weapons we were allowed to include in our decks. So um, so when you're looking for differences between the two decks, uh, don't go scrolling through the artifact section on each deck. And yes, we'll make <laughs> sure the links are in the, uh, are in the show notes. Um, don't go th- scrolling through the artifacts expecting to discover that one of us did not put Mortar Pod into the deck. It, it, it kind of came with the deal. That was sort of how we how we set it up. So, however, from there, I think we went in dr- dramatically different directions. So, Andy, you want to explain how you came to this point, to choosing the choosing the commander, to setting up the deck? How did you get to here? Oh, sure. So, the commander I chose was Sharum the Hegemon. For those who don't know, is three white, blue, black for a 5-5 legendary artifact creature, Sphinx, flying. When Sharum the Hegemon enters the battlefield, you may return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I'm sensing a, uh, a possible working with, the, uh, with, with say, living weapons and, and the germs. Yeah. Huh. So, looking at my architect list... Uh, I go to my section called My Germy Boys, um, and it's the 10 living weapons. Those were the first cards in. Uh, those were cards 2 through 11. My first card was uh, none other than Temple of the False Pod. Uh, sorry, Temple of the False God. <laughs> what am I, vain? And uh, so cards 2 through 11 were these 10, and I realized that uh, they all make black germ tokens, and one of them actually has black in their color identity, and that is... Lash Rive. Uh, it has equip two Phyrexian black mana. 
So you can either pay a total of four life or two black mana, or any, I guess, two life and a black mana. Uh, anyway, all said and done, it can only be in decks that have black uh, in their commanders. So I wanted flicker decks, or I wanted to make a flicker deck that also had black in it. So I came to three colors, which was white, blue, and black. White and blue have a bunch of flicker effects. Who knew? And from there, I uh, realized that my little germy boys were a bunch of zero zeros. So if I ever wanted to move any of the living weapons, uh, they would have to kill the germs. Unless I had a bad moon which says all black creatures get plus one, plus one. And from there, I added a bunch of anthem effects, uh, got a Spear of Heliod in there, got uh, Deathbringer Liege, uh, and, uh, you know, that kind of idea of making my creatures bigger in general, uh, which is great for attacking, but also great for zero zeros, honestly. From there, I added some just general graveyard recursion artifact stuff I uh, got a junk diver open the vault trading post mirror retriever some classic things uh, and then my two favorites ritual of restoration which is a single white sorcery return target artifact card from your graveyard to her hand and reconstruction which is a single blue that does the exact same thing so uh, kind of threw those in there uh, to, to help uh, if I couldn't get Shroom out or any of the flickers to flicker Shroom, I had ways to get my living weapons from the graveyard to my hand to replay them. Um, or in case of open the vaults, directly back on the battlefield. <laughs> uh, also, uh, some prohibitive things, uh, especially with these living weapons, is that, well, with any equipment, you've got... The cost to play it and then you've got the cost to equip it uh, with the living weapons one or both of those are a little high so I made a group of cards that either allowed me to reduce the cost of the equipment in with regards to brass squire allow me to just tap to equip um, or something like Sigarda's Aid or Hammer of Nizan, where I could, as soon as it enters the battlefield, equip it to a creature. Right. Which, I mean, if they're a living weapon, they already come with a, their own creature, which is great. Uh, but it's just nice to have that the flexibility if you want it on something else. So one of the uh, one of the combos in the deck that I particularly like is the combo of Obviously, you've got the, the germs, but you also <laughs> have conspiracy. Ah, yes. So that will turn there were... all of your creatures into germs, I assume, right? Yes, that was actually the point of it. Right. I was like, how do I make more germs? Nothing other than living weapons make germs. So I went through and I was like, oh, I've got arcane adaptation. I can do conspiracy. Uh, xenograft. Yeah. Uh, so that I can make all of my creatures <clears throat> germs. Well, more because importantly... I really wanted to make this deck germ-heavy. Right, and more importantly, it means that Divine Visitation now makes 
4-4 flying germs. Yes. That is delightful. <laughs> delightful. Oh, also, I love it. Yeah. I, also, I had mirror entity in there so that they're all germ angels. Yes. Uh, bear so, rats. Sounds like cats. a 50s song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I There are a few cards in there, I'll admit, that I just added because I was like, oh, it, I, I've got black and white that these would are just good good cards I wanted to add. So I've got all that glitters, which I've got a number of artifacts and a number of enchantments. So I was like, yeah, all the glitters, go right in. Uh, Trailblazer's Boots uh, just helps when I've got weak germs to just get in for some damage. Are the boots there for, uh, for Sharoom, or are they just there for whoever happens to be swinging in? Just whoever happens to be swinging okay. in. Um, it, it was mostly just to, to make anything that I wanted unblockable. It's great because it, they're trailblazers boots for those who don't know artifact equipment for two equipped creature as non-basic landlock equip two so throwing them on a little tiny germ to get through uh it was i was like this this seems tasty uh whisper silk cloak kind of the same thing unblockable uh and then i've got revel and riches and divine mm-hmm. visitation as some sweet enchantment sweets uh Looking through the cards, I noticed another. Uh, there's another one there that I that I particularly like. It's Hammer of Mizan, um, mm-hmm. actually, and honestly, I think that's probably something I should have included in my deck. Um, it's yeah. just because. Uh, it, for those who are wondering, Hammer of Mizan is a legendary artifact equipment. Um, I'm not going to worry about the cost or the equip cost. It's not important. Really, what I'm looking at is uh, whenever Hammer of Mizan or another equipment enters the battlefield under your control. You may attach that equipment to target creature you control. So, given that you're trying to flicker to get more germs out. But this means that it comes out. um, And then it says you can attach equipment to target creature you control. Well, the equip costs on the, the living weapons, a lot of them are not cheap. As soon as you're talking about... Uh, Strandwalker or Skin Wings, so something that can deal with flyers. When you're talking about giving Trample and some of the more effective abilities that that these weapons give, um, the the equip costs are high. So it, it to me, I like the idea of Hammer of Nazan being able to simply equip it onto another creature on the battlefield. Now I get it. If you don't have a way to bonus your germ, that's kind of a problem because then the germ just immediately <laughs> dies. But maybe you're willing to do that. I mean, honestly, like I was saying, like it's either the cost itself or the the equip cost are prohibitive on a lot of these. Uh, like, yeah, for example, skin wing four to to play and then six to equip, which is like mind blowing for plus two plus two and flying. Um, right. Like, well, here necro pouncer. The yeah. key with Necropouncer, I mean, sure, it gives plus three, plus one, but most importantly, it gives haste. And you just paid to put a creature onto the battlefield. Now you're supposed to pay a two-mana equip cost, which, in the greater scheme of things, with living weapons, is fairly low, but it's still two more mana. Um, it just would make so much more sense to be able to, you know, especially when you're flickering it. So you're going to flicker it, have it come into play, and then you don't even have to pay the two equip cost to put it on something that just hit the battlefield and now you can attack with it right away 
Oh, and you know, it doesn't hurt. You're getting three extra power, but um, that's the sort of thing I was thinking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then from there, I kind of added in some general removal, generous gift, blink of an eye, executioner's capsule, dispeller's capsule. Um, I liked the capsules because they allow for recursion because I've got artifact recursion already built into this deck. I was going to ask about that um, as well because I noticed that, I mean, yeah. obviously there are better ways to to do what those two enchantments do, but they yeah. are artifacts. So if you have ways to recur your artifacts, and I know you do, yeah, they, they just yeah. make sense. And the cream of the crop in there is pestilence mm -hmm. for a little flavor because germs you know it they don't interact any better with germs but pestilence uh yeah you you get it i don't pfft. uh from there i also had a bit of a, a suite of um artifact spells cost less so i've got foundry inspector which just makes artifacts cost less one less danitha capuchin uh makes equipment cost one less which I mean, that's big it's the theme of the deck uh joyer's familiar historic spells cost one less so not only do my artifacts cost one less uh my commander costs one less um and then nahiri uh the lithomancer from commander 14 she has a minus two ability that says you may put an equipment card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield which is big. That is big. Cause, uh, uh, for those of you at home who aren't actually looking at the list right now, Necropouncer is a living weapon. It costs six. Scythe Claw costs five. Strandwalker costs five. And then a number of others cost four. Uh, Batterskull, five mana. Getting these put into play for the cost of two loyalty counters off of Nahiri, that's, a, that's huge. Even if she were to die that round, you paid five to get possibly one of your biggest artifacts out of your graveyard and directly onto the battlefield and it can't be countered that way and then i i had some extra slots that i thought i would make a little pillow fort for uh, i've got ghostly prison norn's annex propaganda and windboard muse making it so that people have to pay to attack me and that's 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 the general gist of the deck oh i guess i forgot i've got a handful of cards that allow me to flicker things um i was gonna ask you about that as well they are mostly to flicker the commander once the commander's on but i looking through the list again and again things you know you'll you'll always find certain things work out better than than planned um but for my flickers i've got yorian sky nomad brago king eternal which will flicker on combat damage I wanted to ask a quick question. With Brago, are you likely to try and flicker the living weapons if they're already equipped to something? I'm just thinking about the equip cost because obviously if you flicker them, they come back unequipped. You get a germ. So, right. you know, so if you're swinging with with a with a Leonin Shikari that's equipped with right. uh Strandwalker. If you want to flicker the Shikari, um, mm -hmm. Even if it's just to just to have it so that it it ends the turn yeah. untapped. To do that, you end up flickering that. Well, if you don't flicker the Strandwalker, it just sits on the board. <laughs> or you can uh, flicker yeah. them both, and then they both come back untapped. You get a germ, but to be able to put it back on the Shikari, your equip cost is four for something like that. I don't know if that could yeah. equip cost make a difference or. I think the the nice thing with Brago specifically is that you mm -hmm. get to be very deliberate with what you're flickering mm -hmm. uh and in this case i think it would depend i think if it's 
late game and you just need blockers, yeah, I might. I might flicker both and then have a germ token and the Shikari as two blockers. But if you don't have like a lot of mana, it might not be worth right. it. Um, if you still had a lot of mana up, yeah, maybe maybe you flicker it, them both and then hold up some mana because if it's the Shikari specifically, you can equip with flash. Right. But the idea behind it was to flicker Sharoom to get things back from the graveyard. Right. And I'm sure there are plenty of better ways to like flicker it on demand. But these are the first ones that I thought. How of. often do you expect to be using uh, using Sharoom to get living weapons back? Because part of what I was looking at when I built my deck was that it just didn't seem like there was going to be like I kept trying to picture situations where that that artifact was going to die. And yeah. so my, you know, most of the time I'm picturing combat situations where the germ dies in combat because it's just not big enough. Mm. But the weapon sits there and now I'm either looking to bounce it just from the battlefield or using one of your other abilities. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got ways to equip at instant speed, you can reduce equip costs, you've got all of that. So I mean, that's not really an issue. I was just wondering if you were looking at ways yeah. to sack artifacts to get a benefit. I, I was yeah, just I, I didn't even think of sacking artifacts as a thing. Like I, that that is a great idea for this deck. Something that I think future right because I mean, improvements you've got could... Ashnod's Altar, which makes perfect right. sense for the deck. Because I mean, yeah, of course you get rid of the germ. You know, why would you flicker a living weapon if it's already equipped with a germ? Better to right. flicker the the living weapon. Leave the germ, especially if you have a way so that the germ survives. Right. And you just flicker it, it comes back, bam, you've got another germ. And then, or you can just use the germs to, you know, ramp up the altar. And then you're flickering all the weapons to get, you know, new germs back. <laughs> and I think, I think that was the thing is that through the, the creation process of this deck, I realized that Sharum was more of a backup. Right. Like, uh, she was there to give me color identity and uh, in case my, for whatever reason, my artifacts are going to the graveyard. Right. Um, I think it's a lot less likely, but it's there if I need it. And um, I would, and, and I would have said to you many years ago, I would <laughs> have said, you should not use Sharoom because Sharoom just simply draws hate. Uh, yeah. That's just not the case anymore. I mean... Shroom is still really good, <laughs> and you can still build combo around Shroom. I wouldn't let it sit too long on any battlefield, but there are so many le so many new legends out there that are just so good that Shroom <laughs> just isn't going to draw the same kind of hate that it used yeah. to. Um, so I think you can run a deck that features germs using a card like Shroom. And on top of that, I mean, I've got six cards that already bring artifacts back from the graveyard. Uh, six other cards and then i also have i've got academy ruins um trading post is great yeah. for just like getting things back to my hand um, yeah so like even with shroom out of the picture if cost becomes prohibitive she's a six cost creature so play her twice and it's she, she's gone like uh i can get things back from the graveyard still right um yeah um as far as i can see the only card that I think absolutely should be in the deck that isn't listed here is Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth. Um, and the only reason it should be there is for Lashrith, because Lashrith looks at the number of swamps. Oh, um, look at, at that. I think, 
I only have seven swamps in this deck. Right. So <laughs> just throw you just throw Urborg in there, um, and you know, boom, your number goes through the roof. Um, yeah. And I guess I mean, if you're extra concerned about it, you can look at a variety of dual lands. You know, that have the basic types. So swamp right. whatever, and go from there. Um, I mean, those are. Those are pretty minor cosmetic changes, though. I like this deck. I think it looks it looks to me it looks like a lot of fun. Um, I yeah. like the uh, I like having some recursion in the deck, and I think that this this deck hop you know makes you jump through enough hoops so that it's not you just don't get this feeling like it's completely broken. So yeah, that's just something I love. I love to see that. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to try it out. Um, and Bruce, before we get to yes. your deck, let's throw it over to our sponsor. For a little sponsor break. Sounds good. Uh, be right back. This episode and season of Temple of the Falls Pod is brought to you by Pestilence. While we're all stuck at home, unable to play magic in person, so many ways to gather without gathering have really made their name known. We've got the classics of Magic Online and Arena, but also some love playing on Tabletop Simulator or Spell Table. Whatever way you choose to play Magic, please keep safety in mind. I'd love to make more of a joke here, but it is all to be taken quite seriously. So please, when in public, wear a mask, physically distance, and wash your hands well. And regularly. As we bring our season to a close, we're excited to bring you Season 2. Season 2 also was recorded deep, deep in a quarantine. Bruce and I haven't had the chance to play together in person since way before the first episode of this season. And, well continue to bring you quality podcast throughout so stick in there play some magic online whether it's magic online or otherwise and stay safe back to you guys welcome back hey, hey. Uh, that was a fun one you never know what you're gonna get for a sponsor speaking of germs I hear you have a germ-based deck. What? I would love to hear about. Sure. All right. So before I even tell you who the commander is, I'm going to tell you how I got there because I think that's kind of, uh, it, it sort of leads up to how the deck got built in the first place. So the idea was, I started with the germs and I'm like, okay, so how do I make this work? Uh, I've got zero, zero creatures. So either I got to pump them up or I want to find ways to do something, do something with these germs. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, maybe I can double them. Maybe I can cause, you know, when so that way when a living weapon hits the table, maybe I've got doubling season. Then I get two of them, which is great, but only one of them is going to be equipped, and then the other <laughs> one just dies. I, I okay, so now what I want doubling season, and then I also need a way to pump up the tokens. So. That can't be that hard. There's there's tons of cards out there that all of your creatures get something. So like, okay, great. Well, you know, I'm in green. So find another card that gives them plus one, plus one. No problem. But the trick is, is that they're black. And a lot of a lot of the cards specify what color creature gets the benefit. Mm. And I'm like, well, okay, that's not a big deal. Because I'm running green. And I'm going to run black. Because the living yeah. weapons are black so i'm gonna run green and black so like great and then so then i immediately thought "Ooh, i could run gliss of the traitor which kind of sucks because i have a gliss of the traitor deck but you know what for this we'll, we'll do gliss of the traitor and see how that goes 
And then I started doing everything else that goes along with it and realizing I just, the deck relies on that moment when I drop a germ. So, okay, so we're going to play for this moment when I spend mana to play an artifact so that I can get two germ tokens. This was so underwhelming for me. It was unbelievable. So I'm like, okay, well, then if we're playing Glissa, uh, how about I think about ways to put these artifacts in the graveyard? Okay. It's harder than it sounds. Um, I mean, there are ways to sack your permanents, uh, ways to sack artifacts, but it just, everything involving this just started to feel like, oh my God, it's just like there's too much, too many steps, too many steps. And, you know, I, look, I love a Rube Goldberg machine as much as anybody, but at some point you have to stop and say, okay, so for this deck to work, I need five different pieces of the deck to be out there. And this is all to get some kind of benefit out of a zero, zero germ. And it was just like, this just isn't mm. working the way I want it to. So I kept scrapping it and scrapping it and scrapping it. And then I finally started thinking about, okay, well, maybe I just want to replay them. I'll sack the germ token because it's a zero, zero to get something. And then, you know, just bounce the, the equipment to get another germ token. So like, okay, so let's take a look at that. So I started searching around to find uh, legendary creatures that would help that along. Whether, you know, maybe they bounce, maybe a legendary creature that bounces the artifact, maybe something that gives a benefit when you sack the creature, something for whatever. So I looked at a bunch and then came on one that I thought was sort of near and dear to my heart. Um, and I settled for Jalira, Master Polymorphist. Um, so Jalira is a four mana legendary creature is a human wizard that's three and one blue mana uh jaleer is a 2-2 creature which trust me is irrelevant uh other than you know how strong is it to hang in there um but most importantly uh for two and a blue you tap jaleera and sacrifice another creature hopefully a germ token <laughs> Then you reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-legendary creature card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. In other words, this is Polymorph uh, for the old school players out there who remember Polymorph. Um, for for the, the newer players out there, think of Mass Polymorph, but it only does it for one creature <laughs> at a time. So instead of having your whole army gone... And you're flipping over cart, tons of cards trying to build this new army. You're getting to pick and choose just the one, the one creature. And I thought, this is great. Because I'm going to have a germ token. I can sack the germ token for three mana. Uh, and then flip cards until I go in. And the next best part is that in the deck, these are artifacts. They're not creatures. So it lets me have a whole heap of little tiny creatures that can be used to find much, much, much bigger creatures, bigger and better creatures. Um, Heck yeah. The downside for Polymorph and everybody who's ever run this kind of deck is you have a whole host of, of creatures in your deck. Generally to Polymorph, you have to have smaller creatures. So the downside for Polymorph decks has always been, you, you got 20 creatures, half of them are small, half of them are big. Well, when you start doing Polymorph, you end up flipping into another small creature. 
that sucks. So you want a way around ways around that so that you can fill your deck with just big creatures. So that way, every time <laughs> you activate this, something yeah. big is coming down the pipe. And that's what you want. Um, and as somebody who plays a polymorph deck in a 60-card casual deck, in that deck, I use just, a, just token creatures as my small creatures. Yeah. It's a different way to get around it. But this at least gave me a start. And I'm like, okay, so... I've got all my living weapons, and I've got Jalira Master Polymorphist. Obviously, Lashrith can't be there. It's black. So, Lashrith is out. <laughs> Not a big deal. Um, I also included a card called Birthing Bows. Uh, it's a three-mana artifact, and for four mana, you can tap it to create a 2-2 colorless shapeshifter creature token with Changeling. More importantly, you create, you're creating a 2-2 germ. Um, it's a pretty big germ, Bruce. It is a pretty big germ. And I'm not 100% sure that this card would stay in the deck as you play it out because essentially you're spending a whole lot of mana to sack this thing to go and find something else. So it may not stick around, but I like the idea of having as many possible germs as I could have. Um, there's a few changelings in the deck. Uh, there's Shape Sharer. Um, which is a changeling, and it uh, has the. Uh, what is it? You spend three mana, and target shapeshifter becomes a copy of target creature until until your next turn. So you can copy any other creature on the board with it, um, and because it's a changeling, it's every creature type, so it's also a germ. Um, nice. All of this is there because that's how it started. The problem is there's no real benefit in this deck to being a germ um that's just the way the deck i don't think there's any benefit to well, ever being a germ. i don't have any cards in there that say you know all cards of this creature type get a get a bonus right. so while you know while you've got bad moon that gives all black creatures something while you can you know name a creature type it yeah. gets a bonus this deck has none of that these germs oh. are if they're going to get bigger it's going to be by accident um the expectation <laughs> is uh is you're going to play the living weapon you're going to sacrifice the germ you're going to get a huge creature onto the battlefield and then you're going to then find a way to return that artifact to either bounce it or flicker it or put it back in your hand so you can cast it again and get another germ token. You know, you say that for birthing bows, four mana is a lot for a, a token. But Necropouncer, six mana is a lot for a token. <laughs> well, this is true. Um, however, like you said, it does have haste. So you can at least... You can at least yeah, swing true. in. This is the benefit is Jalira doesn't have a timing limitation on it. So you play Necropouncer, you swing in with it, you see how they decide to block, and if their block is going to kill it, no problem. You sack it before damage is dealt. <laughs> uh, sure, you don't kill their creature, but you get a much bigger and better creature. And, oh, by the way, you have Necropouncer sitting on the battlefield waiting to equip it. Um, the other benefit yeah. is uh, you can also do this ability at the end of an opponent's turn. 
So uh, you can have surprise blockers when you need them. You can also play this, these creatures at the end of an opponent's turn, right before the start of your turn. So the big creature that comes out is, uh, or has essentially has pseudo-haste because they came out just before your turn started. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where this is going. Uh, I've also included Polymorph and Mass Polymorph in the deck. Uh, I've also included Proteus Staff. These are basically uh, all ways to Polymorph. Uh, the difference is that Proteus Staff lets you polymorph an opponent, uh, an opponent's creature. So if they've got something out that's particularly good, you can polymorph it away in an effort to try and get them to find something that's less good. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's quasi-removal if you need it that way. But I thought that at some point, if Jalira becomes too expensive to use, you're still going to want to at least have some ways to keep this deck churning. Um, and that was sort of where I went with it. Uh, from the looks of it, it seems like all your creatures... I mean, you've got a handful of exceptions to this, but all of your creatures generally are over uh, four uh, mana cost, which is great. The least you're going to spend is uh, one mana for an equipment, and then sack uh, the token with Jalira for three. I mean, I guess you've got training grounds which makes those types of uh activated abilities cheaper which is pretty sweet um uh, yeah i mean training grounds is specifically obviously specifically in there for jalira just because right i don't really want to be spending three and losing a creature and losing right. a germ just to get you know uh a more expensive blue creature. Uh, ideally, I'd much prefer to just spend blue. Um, however, Training Grounds is also in there for... Uh, where was it here? Um, like, Fairy Formation. Mm -hmm. it's, one of the, it's one of the creatures that I want to go find. Um, and it has an activated ability that's three and a blue to create a 1-1 one, one blue fairy creature token with flying. And you draw a card. So if I can reduce that cost by two, I can spend two mana, get a flying creature, and draw a card. So if, for whatever reason, if I'm having issues with getting the germs out, um, well, there's some fairy tokens that could also be sacked, and that can reduce that cost down. Um, does that also, I would assume it does, um, reduce equip cost if you need it? Uh no, because it's activated abilities of creatures uh, you control. So never mind. Unfortunately, those aren't creatures. Yeah, they're not. They're not creatures. I initially, when I grabbed training grounds, I was thinking, or when I was thinking of training grounds, I was thinking this is really going to work well with this, and then realized that it doesn't work quite as well. However, when your commander is doing the key thing, right? It, it just it just makes it's, sense. Yeah, you're not focusing on the equipping, you're focusing on the, the tokens. Right. Uh, I mean, I've also got Sphinx of Magosi in there. Nice. Uh, and that's two and a blue, draw a card, and then put a plus one, plus one counter on the Sphinx. So if I can reduce it to blue, make your creature bigger and draw a card. I mean, th this is not, you know, it's not rocket science. I mean, once I knew that Trading Grounds was in there, I was started to do that. Um, I've also included Illusionist Bracers as a way to sort mm -hmm. of double up on the Jalira. And Thousand Year Elixir. Uh, you may activate 
abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. So Jalira hits the battlefield. You don't have to wait a turn to, to tap it. You nice. can just do it right away. And more importantly, spend one and tap the elixir to untap target creature. So then Jalira can then untap and you can do it again. Um, because one of the things that I thought would likely be happening with this deck is that it just wasn't going to get enough power out as fast as you wanted it to. So having the elixir be able to activate it twice <clears throat> just seemed like a good idea to me. Yeah. So, uh, so I've got a card that yeah. uh, I've seen you use plenty of times. Yes. Um, and I'm sure it might be just a cost thing uh, in terms of mana. Uh, but Hearthstone uh, does a very similar thing to Training Grounds for more and does less. But it's not a... It's not nothing, uh, especially in such a hard artifact-heavy deck. Um, I did think about Hearthstone, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's likely something that would get added to the deck. Um, the problem right now is that I haven't played the deck enough. Yeah, um, I'm confident that Hearthstone should probably go in. I just don't know what I take out. Um, right yeah. now, I think. Uh, I've got a pile of ways to recast the artifacts because I know that I want to keep churning more germs out. You know, I want to be able to recast these artifacts. I want to have that option in my hand almost all the time. So at, at any point in time, I want to be able to do that. Um, and I tried to choose a lot of ways that were... Uh, a, a lot of them that were repeatable because... Part of the reason I'm not a big fan of sorcerers and instances is because they tend to be one-time shots and then they go <laughs> away and I just never seem to get them back. And it's just like, do I want to burn an entire card to put a living weapon back in my hand so I can pay another six mana to put it back out on the battlefield? And that gets to be tough. It's a lot easier to do when you start thinking to yourself, uh, you know what? Master Transmuter works so great. You know, spend a blue, <laughs> yeah. tap it, return an artifact you control to its owner's hand. So return the living weapon to your hand. And that's the pay cost. Like, that's the cost. Exactly. And then the, re the, the, the result is you may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. In other words, you can put it right back out. Yeah. So if, if someone's about to destroy it, you can spend a blue and put it in your hand. And because it's the cost... It happens before they before they're 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 before killed. it goes on to the stack, yeah. right? So there, and now you can put it back out. It's a different thing, so it's not targeted anymore. Even though technically it's not the same thing, practically it is. But uh, for magic, it means that their spell fizzles because the target's not there anymore. But it also means that you know the six mana cost cards are essentially down now down to one blue. The problem is is that master transmuter. Uh, is one card, not many, many cards. So you have to find <laughs> other stuff. So I started looking at things like Tide Spout Tyrant. Uh, when you, whenever you cast a spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand. So it means that you're getting a bonus on top of any other spell you're running. Uh, I put Isochron Scepter in here. So it can find the instance that costs one or two mana that bounce a, 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 an artifact back. So that way I can just, you know, spend two mana... And get to do it again and again and again. And then I can use my bounce spells to focus on my opponent's stuff. And use it yeah. more as removal. So 
that's essentially where that that package goes but i just don't know how big it needs to be and until i'm yeah. confident that i can safely reduce that pile i'm not going to throw hearthstone into the mix um that's fair and on top of that uh the downside with hearthstone and it's less of a downside as long as we're all continuing to play remotely um hearthstone works for everybody oh my god i didn't know that. yeah so when you play it <laughs> you've played it so often and i didn't know that. right and that happens mostly because we're all playing online uh you yeah. don't you know you read the card you see how the card interacts with their deck and then it's gone but hearthstone is one of these older cards that interacts with everything that has that uh that activated uh, you know the, the cost so yeah. while i play it in my grenzo deck and it's great with grenzo because i mean you're <laughs> just reducing the cost to one instead of two is well it's twice as good um and it would do even more in, in for Jalira. It's just I don't feel like I have enough other creatures that take advantage yeah. of it. And to be honest, Heart, Hearthstone is a very good card for a lot of other people. Um, there are tons of activated abilities that opponents yeah. use that can really pile up. But so um, I also looked up. I, I did look on EDH Rec to see. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I knew I knew where I was going. So I knew that a lot of the cards on EDH Rec just simply weren't going to apply in this deck because of where I was focusing the flicker. Because <laughs> uh, they were going to give you a bunch of cards that give you token creatures. And uh, it, it, I really wasn't looking at that so much. So, um, uh -huh. And then what I decided was, what I wanted to do was the creatures that I'm going to go search for with Jalira, the bigger creatures that are the, really the focus of you know, why we're killing these germs. And I don't like to think of it as killing the germs so much as transforming the germs into bigger, better strains of germ. I decided to look at, obviously, just blue and blue and, and colorless creatures. I focused on mana costs of at least five. And I also only looked at the cards that I own. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to build the best Jalira deck out there, obviously. I've included 10 living weapons who, to be blunt, these are not going in the premier decks. Um, <laughs> but I thought, you know what, if I'm going to go down this route, then let's let's personalize it and make it mine. And so all of the creatures that I'm using in the deck uh, are creatures that I own. Um, so off the top of my head, of course, I cannot think of any one creature that was sitting on EDH rec that I chose not to use because... I don't own it. Um, but I went through basically my cards and said, these are the ones that I thought would work best in the deck. <clears throat> and of these cards, I mean, I can go through each of them and you, you sort of get a sense of why they're there and how they fit the theme. Like Arbiter of the Ideal, whenever it becomes untapped, I can look at the top card and if it's an artifact, a creature, or a land card, you can put it onto the battlefield. Well, that's... 75% of the deck. <laughs> so there's a very good chance that almost every time Arbiter of the Ideal untaps, you're getting something. So I love that idea. Uh, I thought that was that was something that was going to be fun and it was going to give me a lot more cards. Um, Gin of Infinite Deceits. The whole idea of exchanging control of two target non-legendary creatures, initially when I, when I saw this, I thought, 
Ooh, I can trade a germ for something, for anything my opponent has. They'll get a 0-0 creature that dies instantly, and I'll get their thing. However, for the most part, I think with this one, I'm much more likely to exchange control of two target non-legendary creatures and make them both not mine. So mess with my opponents <laughs> and give them each other's creatures um, and see how that sort what of pans out. A lot of people are running decks where that creature works really well in their deck, but only in their deck. Well, great. I don't want it. I'll just let the two of you have it, and then you can each have cards that are essentially useless to each other. So I like that idea. Um, part of the reason I liked it is because I always like my commander decks to play different all the time. And when you start messing with the creatures that your opponents have, your deck is going to play different every time because you're playing against different yeah. opponents every time. Uh, are different decks that your opponents are going through. Um, we already talked about fairy formation. I mean, hey, uh, little creatures that you can sack to Jalira, it draws cards. Uh, Hymar, Rhymewind Master, it's return target permanent to its owner's hand. So in other words, a living weapon. Uh, hmm. I can only play the ability if I control four or more snow permanents. Well, all of my islands are snow-covered islands. There are 31 of them in this deck. So <laughs> uh, I expect that I will get to four pretty quickly, or at least soon enough so that Rymar actually gets to do his thing. Uh, the Perplexing Chimera, that really ties in along with that whole gin of infinite deceits, the idea of swapping your creature for something else. In this case, you're swapping the Chimera for anything else, a spell, yeah. uh, an artifact, whatever. I think this might be one of the first cuts um, just because I've played with the Chimera and it is difficult to use. You really do have to have a deck that's a little more built around it than this. As I say, in a lot of decks, it's just underwhelming. Uh, if you, you know, if you're playing your Tesa deck, unless I can catch you cast, casting Tesa and swap it, um, yeah. you know, what am I going to swap it for? You know, and I would see that coming. <laughs> well, that's just it. When Perplexing Chimera <laughs> is sitting out there, you see it. But if you continue to play, you know, small creatures where everybody gain, where you gain a life and everybody loses a life, is it likely that somebody's going to swap the Chimera for that? Probably not. So yeah. I'm thinking the Chimera might be one of the first ones to go, but, uh, you know, forever hopeful and I always like to see it. Uh, Scourge of Fleets was something that was on EDH Rec, and I love the idea that it also gives me some sort of like a, a quasi-mass removal. Oh, Yeah. As I said, 31 islands in this deck, so there's a good chance that I'll be able to wipe the board pretty good. Yeah. Um, personally, I like Shimmer Dragon as one of the options. A 5-6 Flying Dragon, and I will almost always control four or more artifacts um, beyond <laughs> the ten beyond the living weapons. Uh, almost my entire ramp package is artifacts. Uh, and then there's a handful of other artifacts as well. So, And... The great thing with that, too, is that equipments don't tap when you attack with the creature. Yeah, that's right. So, so you can just draw so many right, cards so you can per attack, turn. You can tap your equipment and still swing with the creature. It really doesn't matter. Um, We're not playing by old rules anymore. Right. So, hey, tap two, tap two, pieces, two, two pieces of equipment, draw a card. Uh, this is just, uh, it's yeah. all plus side there. Uh, Sphinx of Magosi, I already went through. Stormtide Leviathan, I mean, I think that's pretty evident uh, with all lands <laughs> or islands in addition to their other types. So it, it helps beef up 
some of the other car some of the other cards I'm playing and honestly of the bunch I think this is probably the most boring one because everybody knows this one yeah um, and I mean if you turn a germ into a storm tide Leviathan you're gonna have a lot of people looking your way yeah uh, yeah so we'll see how that one rolls um, and Vesuvian shapeshifter uh, I like that idea as well um, yeah I mean if it comes out of your hand it's certainly coming out of nowhere it's even better than flipping it over as a morph creature because I mean you didn't even see it yeah, so the only land that I was at all interested in, you've already mentioned this one, is Manamo School at Water's Edge. Um, mm-hmm. Untapped target, legendary permanent. Uh, the only permanent I care about for this one is Jalira. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it just gives me a second activation. It does mean that you're, I'm going to have to have a fair bit of mana out there because uh, if I don't have any other ways to reduce the cost, I'm spending three tapping Jalira, and then I'm going to spend a blue, plus I'm tapping Manamo which would be another blue, to untap Jalira so then I can spend three three more. So I need essentially eight lands to make this loop work. But it's there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, it, in theory, I guess it could also untap Hydar. Um, um, I'm running Extraplanar Lens. My ramp package is, uh, is horrid. I think it's terrible. I, I think I could do much, much better if I just spent another another couple hours trying to uh, find things that would just work better with the deck. Obviously, I, I, I chose Extra Planar Lens, and that's part of the reason why all the, all the, all the islands are snow-covered, because then I'm the only one who gets that benefit. The Search for Azkanta, I kind of liked. Sky Diamond, again, this is another card that I think is just, it's just, it's weak. It's not that great. Just because it costs two and taps for a blue, well, if it enters the battlefield tapped, then realistically it kind of costs three because you're not getting it until the next turn anyway. Yeah. So, you know, you have to keep that in mind. I'm generally okay with it, but... Uh, I think it's a great, like, budget choice. Right. It was um, interesting because a lot of the ramp that I looked at were small creatures, <laughs> like the, the mirror that taps for a blue mana. And oh, yeah. uh, there's another card called Apprentice Wizard, and the wizard yes. is you you tap it and a blue mana to get three generic. I love this card. It's it's an old card. Not many people use it's some it. Great art. Oh, exactly. It's it's just really cool. But I didn't want to clutter the deck with a lot of tiny creatures. Yeah, that's you fair. know um, as it stands, I've already got Shapesharer in there, and I'm I may be tempted to pull that out just because I don't want to. I don't want to cloud the pool of of the big guys. The other part with the with the bigger creatures, uh, I mm-hmm. intentionally did not put Eldrazi in. Eldrazi is old <laughs> and boring, especially the Eldrazi that has Annihilator. Uh, I think yeah, Annihilator makes the game so much harder for everybody because now all of your opponents have to attack you. Once you declare who you're attacking, the Annihilator trigger is already there. They can't wait and see who's he going to attack, and then I'll get rid of the creature because the annihilator's already hitting. And when mm. you're, you know, and when I'm flipping a germ over to bring out Kozilek with his, I think it's uh, Annihilator Four, or or one of the other massive Eldrazi, that's just that that's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's so done is the thing. Well, that's just it. I mean, yes, I. You can absolutely do that. 
and 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 all the power to you and honestly once you've done it once i don't know that you're going to be that excited about the next time you get to do it so i've got these 10 different creatures listed here um you know if i play the deck four times or whatever and start to and decide you know this one doesn't work real well well i'll pull it out and put something else in or i might even decide you know what i'm just bored of this <laughs> that's the joy of the polymorph deck is essentially those creatures you're not worried about the mana cost. You're not worried about how they fit in the curve. Those are just 10 creatures. Yeah. They're practically a sideboard. You can pull them out and put in different ones as much as you want. You can do it every game so that you're always getting a different experience. So that if you play with the same play group, you can flip them out over and over again. Uh, my old Polymorph deck only had three creatures in it. And for a long time, it was uh, uh, Progenitus. It was one of the Eldrazi and uh Acroma were the three creatures and then <sighs> after, exactly after a while i just got <laughs> bored of that i'm like okay this is silly so i tried something else you know throw in some different stuff just to see what what's going to come up and it's fun because then it turns out your opponents you know you've told them at the start hey, hey we got some new creatures in this one so you know they know that it's going to be another another miserable tough creature to deal with but they don't know which one it is so there's at least yeah. that level of ooh something different and exciting uh and you start <laughs> to pick creatures where it's like all right here's the creature it's big huge and nasty but it has an achilles heel as opposed to you know something perfect that's virtually impossible to get rid of you know that's something that i hope to do with this deck as well and i i love that given those restraints of germs you and i both went in very different ways i mean uh there was a lot of uh recursion of the artifacts but my deck was a lot of i need to make everything germs and i need to make more if they die um that was like the big thesis when making that deck and generally uh yours came down to let's turn these germs into bigger things and it's it's fascinating because i think given a similar philosophy in the edh world i think you and i can build similar decks a lot of the time but it always has our own flair to it and i think i think if anything you and i have learned over the past and hopefully you you listeners out there uh have learned from the past 10 episodes is that it's not about doing the optimal thing it's not about doing like making this as honed as possible um it's about having fun having the story uh for me building this deck reminded me a lot of building like my tasa deck and uh granted i ended up putting tasa in this deck because i wanted this deck to be mine um i i love i love my tokens um and tasa makes the tokens better uh there was something else I was going to say um, to wrap it up. But if you have anything else you want to shoot out before we kind of bring this to a close, I invite you. Um, I, I very much wanted to see how each of us came about like with the deck that we would choose. Now, I've seen this done plenty of times when, when two people are given the same legendary creature. And you can almost predict how it's going to work out by the legendary creature because some of them are very narrow and you know demand that you run along a certain path 
So you can see that, you know, both people did very similar things, maybe chose slightly different cards, but it goes that way. Or you give two people uh, a commander that is very wide open, and then you see the options go out in different directions. I was really interested to see how a theme like this would work. I mean, we're not talking about one card. We based it around 10 cards. This was a, a, <laughs> a, a hard theme because you're expected to use these 10 cards. I mean, neither one of us wanted to create a deck that was going to simply have these 10 cards and be like, eh, okay, there's the 10 cards. Uh, I'll, live with, yeah. I'll live with them being in the deck, but here's my deck. This is what the deck does. And these cards <laughs> are just sort of there because they're there. But we took them and, and made it into the into the deck. And I was cu very curious because uh, there was a big part of me that looked at what the living weapons offered and really felt like we're going to see very similar decks because when you've got that many cards in both decks, the decks should probably be leaning in the same direction. <laughs> but apparently not. So this is just the just one of the joys of of deck building for commander i mean you, you get pointed in a direction and then everybody just sort of scatters from that direction and you just make it work one of my favorite points of of building this deck was uh finishing uh the first draft of the deck and then immediately going to eda trek to see what other cards were in germ tribal t decks and finding out uh, there's no Germ Tribal no. deck in EDA Trek. <laughs> no, because people have more sense than we do. Yeah, well, you know what? We, we, we did a podcast. We, we made 10 episodes so far, and we plan on doing more. Coming up, uh, we're going to take a two-week break, come back on the third week. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. We're Temple of a False Pod. Our decks are surely not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Thank you so much for listening these past couple weeks. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with more episodes. We're, we're so excited to bring you this next season. Uh, more fun, but not more a fawn. That's, that's a different card entirely. Um, sorry, bad jokes. Uh, have a great night. See you, see you in a couple weeks. Uh... Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>